Hey guys, welcome back to the OPD podcast with Austin and Joe. And this week we do not have a guest, but we had a topic request, um, or more and more so a couple questions about a topic. I thought it would make a good episode. We previously had done the episode on adaptive metabolisms, and that was quite a while ago. I had a few requests to talk about refeeding and just some ins and outs of that. Um, it's something that we've talked about. Obviously, we've talked about it, probably answered questions about it on Q&As, but I don't know that we've actually dedicated an episode to that that I can remember. Mm. So we can jump into that. But first, uh, anything interesting going on over there? Um, no, nothing out of the ordinary. I was going to say it's quite timely because I've been on a protein spray and modifying fast for 14 days today. Um, so... I will have to refeed at some point. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the refeeding is kind of on the mind at the minute. I've done 14 days of protein veg only. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. any lack of brain function as well through this podcast. But, um, no, nothing's, nothing's crazy. I mean, I've been trying to pump out more articles and stuff on the site, um, which is going well. Just been, um, I've only been able to train like twice a week because I've been super busy. So it's a pretty good time to just like, pick a maintenance volume and, and do a real aggressive diet, you know? Yeah, no, that makes sense. What's, uh, I noticed, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but when everything kind of, kind of went down in terms of the, the virus and all that, I feel like I saw less content coming out from a lot of people and mm -hmm. Was it just me? Because a couple of people noticed that too, and they mentioned it to me. It's like I, you know, I don't really pay any that much attention, but I noticed uh, a few people really stepping up their game though recently. I noticed you started pumping out more, which is great. Um, I think for a lot of people, it's it's um a, like a motivation thing. Like when their daily right. routine's broken, you know that that point on their work break that they maybe post their Instagram thing, or that time when they get in from the gym and do do their um, article or whatever, you know, when, when you start breaking that stuff out, um, the people end up becoming a bit like malaise. And, um, yeah. I think there's a lot of just, um, lethargy towards the whole quarantine thing because people are struggling, you know? Yeah. So it's more of a, it's more of a psychological thing. It's like that, the idea of it's, it's easy to execute when everything's going well but it's much harder when they're not type of thing, you know? So it's been yeah, the total I, I opposite for me and, and a lot of people I know, like Christians are good examples. Like because I, I, I'm not traveling to get to the gym and, and, and you know, there's relative things in my day that I'm not doing that I was doing. I'm, but I'm one of those people, you're probably the same. That's like, I'm obsessed with like efficiency and productivity, like something I can't sit still and not, write an article or answer emails or something you know so i end up always yeah. doing something yeah i feel like it's whatever i'm doing has to serve a purpose yeah yeah <laughs> it could be i have to figure out how to justify some, whatever i'm doing in my head right it has to be and sometimes that's occasionally i have to justify sitting there and trying to relax for a few minutes sometimes that's part of it but also i don't can only do so much of that. I feel like I have to, that, that almost makes you more anxious. Yeah. It's like the diet. You know what I mean? well, 
it's like most people are like, right, you know, no one's going to see me, so I'm going to chill out on the diet. Whereas, you know, whereas my thought process was like, right, no one's going to see me, so I'm going to do the most brutal diet that's going to leave me looking as shit as possible. But, you know, I can rebound. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned, you, like you said, not traveling to the gym. Well, that's kind of, I don't travel to the gym anyhow. I, like my routine's not that much different, but I did notice that like a couple of the things, like a couple of the seminars that we had scheduled and, and there was obviously no shows or anything. So on like the weekends that I would typically do those things, I just kept doing videos and shit because why not? Yeah, I watch your you know? videos. I actually, um, I always watch your Q and A's whilst I eat my food. Oh, there you go. Cool. And I like, yeah. seeing, you know, it's great to see that stuff still coming out. And the thing is as well, which is cool with your YouTube channel now, and who was it that, do you know what? It might've been Cal, you, you know, Callum. Hey, he's yeah, yeah. he's a fan of yours. I think I'm sure it was Cal. I'd have to look back on my WhatsApp, but someone was saying it's called cool how far back they can go through your stuff now. Like, yeah, literally years. Yeah, it's uh, so I have a client. His name is well, he's been a client on and off. He's just kind of a friend of mine. His name's Kevin, younger guy. He actually he watches. He loves all this stuff, and he actually went through every single video and timestamped every single one of them that wasn't timestamped from like three years ago. Yeah, that's insane. What a that's he, amazing. Yeah, he, he loves all of them. So he just went through and he did it all. And then it's like periodically I'll update them on my website. I'll put like a section that has like a glossary on there and people can uh, see it. I mean, some of the videos, of course, I've changed some of my views over time on certain things, you know? Um, but, yeah, but, that's, but that's bound to happen. But for the yeah. most part, there's yeah there's stuff going back oh man i I think i've done the q a's for probably about three years something like that well i mean how long have we been you know working yeah on yeah it's got to be coming it's, up to three years i've literally done them almost every single week for three years pretty close to every week yeah that's really cool <laughs> yeah but uh it's so hard it's like youtube's an interesting thing because like it's, it's the same with social media. It's hard to get traction because you almost have to have like, you almost have to have some kind of clickbait or gimmick or something really sensational to gain traction. I get new, every single time I post a video, I'll literally get like three to four new followers or subscribers, <laughs> you know, and I'm almost at a thousand and which is like, <laughs> which is nothing compared to compared to what some people have on on youtube it's it's like not that many so um but yeah it's like three to four subscribers every single video and eventually well, the difference what's is, that the difference is for you those those three or four subscribers are people that are going to watch every single video that you put out and and take right. stuff and, and then maybe eventually reach out book a consultation and then eventually maybe yep. onto coaching you know whereas the big sort of vlogger YouTube side, you know, people might watch half the video and like sort of have it on in the background and yeah. Yeah. It's some more people take it's, uh, it's like I don't remember who said it, but it was something along the lines of actually because I'm not putting out YouTube videos to monetize them. Hey, if if I get to that point where I could put an ad or something in them, that's cool, but that's not really my goal. You know what I mean? Mm. It's uh but you're you're 100 correct in that it's and it's the same on social media people get frustrated by these people that have they'll post 
you know, food or, or like a, a female type of influencer or whatever posts like her half naked shit all the time. Yeah, that's cool. They get, they get likes, but that doesn't necessarily, if that were a coaching business, it doesn't necessarily equate to business. No. Because that's just kind of the stuff you scroll past and click. You know what I mean? You just kind of mindlessly scroll. Like if it, you know, if people are looking at our stuff, you know that they're interested in that they're reading it. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. You're a hundred percent. You're a hundred percent correct. But let's, uh, let's jump into this. So why don't you tell us, so what's your refeed going to look like? Do you have any idea? Um, I mean, the other side of this, because I'm not going to be going back into dieting, it's not going to be like, firstly, I'm definitely not going to do like a free meal situation because after being on a protein spare modifying fast for this long, hunger signals are so dysregulated. I would just eat the whole house probably. Um, well, they're saying that I wouldn't because I'm more aware of what I'm doing, but it's not an approach that I'd want to take. What I'll probably do is, you know, I did a round of protein spare modifying fast um, before this one. I did only 10 days and then I did a three day refeed where I essentially was just watching my blood glucose and putting carbs in until the blood glucose hit about 5.5 which is like over 100 in in your numbers um just yeah. to kind of where i where i spilled and um how much fat i'd actually lost and then i dip back in this end i probably won't do that this time because i'm not really just trying to see like how full can i get it's more so like right i'm going into growth phase now so i'll just adjust to an estimated maintenance and track and assess analyze and adjust from there it won't because i'm not going in with the goal of reversing negative metabolic adaptations or you know refilling glycogen or triglyceride for performance outcomes it's just like okay i'm going to grow now for what could be over a year um i let's just go in and see you know where i am and just move it up very slowly from there carefully you know tread in carefully rather than screwing it up and having to diet again you know you there yeah sorry i had myself muted i was letting you talk yeah that makes sense um i like what you said about i like what you said about hunger signaling too that's um that i don't hardly hear anyone talk about and i know i've mentioned it before in refeeding and that it's, and I see this with clients too, and, and I'm sure that's something you take into consideration how you set up a refeed based on adherence issues as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, that's like a totally untalked about factor in a refeed in that, yes, you might have a certain requirement during a refeed, but there's also that hunger cascade and, and signaling that's so disrupted at that point that you have to be very, very cautious yeah um it's there are some clients i know that if i said you know go and have a free meal it would it they could right. definitely reverse the last two weeks of dieting yeah oh no 100 percent, and especially if they're i mean i always find it so humorous when people are like, oh you can't you can't ruin your you know ruin your plan and a meal or whatever which is total bullshit mm-hmm. but yeah yeah that's it happens all the time but but I think it's important to think about the psychological aspect of it when you are setting it up. Cause I know sometimes I'll, I will intentionally 
almost go a little bit lower, but spread it out more and, and do that intentionally just because I know if I do, and, and for example, like I would do, let's say I'm going to have someone update me on today's Friday. So they updated me. I wanted them to refeed instead of maybe doing Saturday and Sunday refeed. I might even just have them do Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and maybe even Tuesday and then update me on next Wednesday or something like that and do like the, and do half the amount each day that I would do like, you know, spread it into four instead of two type of thing. Mm. And, and that's not, it's not necessarily because it's better. I mean, it may be, but it's more so too, because for adherence issues and it's a lot mentally that's a lot easier task that could be something as simple as they're literally just taking their base plan and they've adding 100 grams of carbs to it per day or something you know what I mean? it's not it doesn't have to be overly complicated you get into trouble sometimes with lesser experienced people when you're doing like you know six seven eight hundred grams of carbs shit like that <laughs> it gets it's tough for me that's even hard for me to do Mm. mentally it i mean i do it because i know i know that's what works for me but it's it's tough and because it feels like you're not eating anything and you just you know it's hard to even go to sleep at night after you're done yeah just like shit i'm so i i'm so hungry but um another cool one on client psychology on why this is important as well is because it does also work the other way so it's not always it's not just a case of recognizing oh the free meal isn't right in this situation it's also recognizing the free meal is right in this situation um and i and this is for cases that are completely non-physiological because a free meal is going to do nothing to reverse negative metabolic adaptations in and of itself really you know practically speaking excuse me um but what it can be useful for is in individuals that it is an opportunity to lower stress and that will often downstream lead to a more improved physique outcome overall when that's just part of the plan and they enjoy that maybe they can have their date night that week or whatever it may be and they and they diet really hard that week to allow themselves the free meal but on the contingency that it's not absolutely ridiculous um right that period yeah. simply lowering stress, bringing cortisol down, leaves them actually, you know, looking a lot better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's, and if we if we just look at the hormonal relationship between carbohydrates and, well, I would say insulin, insulin and cortisol, mm -hmm. you know, there's going to be a positive impact there when they, it's like, well, you know, because people ask, well you know people ask well it doesn't it the free meal doesn't do anything but why do i lose weight or why do i look better afterwards well i mean the obvious answer is glycogen you know you're full weight but the second portion the weight portion is just literally just a stress dump is all it is mm -hmm. it's you and <laughs> you have all of that all of that anxiety and everything just leading up to it and then all of a sudden relief Mm -hmm. um, and an interesting thing that I've seen too is people losing weight. So let's say they lose weight from a refeed or they lose weight from a uh, free meal and then maybe like the day after and right. And then the day following that they actually gain weight back. Mm -hmm. 
even though their food, even though their food was lower. Very common. Yeah. It's back, yeah, it's back to normal. And nine times out of ten, when I talk to people, they you can just see their mood change back to they revert back to that. Oh, I'm dieting or oh my food is low type of mood again right mm. and that absolutely has there's some correlation there for sure i anyone that says that there's not i would i would definitely test that theory because i i definitely see that correlation psychologically um in terms of like how their weight will swing uh swing back up it's just like any other thing you know if you have a good day your weight might go down you have a shitty day and you're in a bad mood it might go up yeah yeah I think um, I'm going to take a step back here for anyone listening that may be like novice to dieting or whatever it may be and talk about what kind of refeed structures that I use with, with clients. Um, there's only really three basic structures that I follow and, and then you tell me if I've missed anything there. So we touched on free meals. That's one. Um, second one would be refeeds and this could be anything from like half a day. I usually run them as high as five days depending you know so there's some amount of time and then the third category would be a full-on diet break so for me that's at least 10 days at at maintenance or above where we're we're pulling away from the deficit for an extended period there they're the only three that i really deploy is there anything you do that i haven't mentioned in there uh no not really i mean yeah, it's just, I actually, you said 10 days diet break. Is minimum, that, minimum. It's usually closer to two weeks. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I used to have a little different definition. I used to say anything over the refeed, normal refeeding of like two to three days is the diet break, but I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily go that route anymore. I will spread it out longer. Um, it's, it's almost always going to take, it's the determining factor here is time. I think that's the bottom line is time, time out of a deficit is what makes all the difference. Yeah. It's just more time usually equals better, you know, or more reversal of that metabolic downregulation to some extent, obviously there's a ceiling. You can't just stay out of it forever, but we know that more time probably equals better for yep. the most part. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I think at that point, then you have to start f- figuring out, you know, what, what kind of differences are we going to see calorically between shorter and longer periods? Because obviously if we're in, we're in a fat loss situation, we don't want to really go into any type of, large or even moderate surplus for two weeks because probably going to gain fat back Mm. now that's why i was like a refeed and a diet break i'm going to probably go over maintenance at at different levels Mm -hmm. um i might go higher on a shorter refeed and lower on a diet break which i think is probably the sensible way to yeah sensible way to go about it and I think people people will associate refeeding with large amounts of food too. Well, I, honestly, is if you're out of it, if you're just even at maintenance, you're out of a deficit. If you're close to maintenance or slightly above, mm-hmm. you're not in a calorie deficit. And 
you got to think at that point, if you're down regulated, your maintenance probably isn't that high. Mm-hmm. Like what is, uh, if you're eating 2000 calories a day and you're in a, your, your deficit is hardly anything at all. If you add a couple hundred calories, a few hundred calories back in, you're already in surplus right there. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't take, it doesn't take as much food. Like people want to go, wild with these refeeds i just don't think that's necessary for everyone yeah i agree so So, how about how about somebody thinking okay you know i know these options that i've got um whether i'm gonna you know go on a full-on diet break or whatever i'm gonna do um how long do i diet for before i take you know before i make the decision to deploy some degree of a refeed how long do you go for Um, okay. So, well, what I'm going to look at is, do they need the refeed? I'm, I'm going to try to look at first and foremost, do they, do they need it? That's the thing. What amount of adaption are we seeing? And that's going to be different person to person. It's going to be different depending on how lean they are, how far into the actual deficit they are or into that fat loss phase they are probably the leaner they are the further they are away from their baseline we might have to do them more often absolutely yeah so that was the first thing i was going to touch on it tends to be the excuse my if this is a an offensive term these days that the fatter the individual the longer they can right. go without, without a refeed yeah yeah sure i mean because you just have you have more you know your adipose cells are full you have plenty to pull from you have you probably I mean, you shouldn't have any type of uh, hormonal or metabolic downregulation that early in a phase. If you do, you probably don't have any business dieting. Anyhow, you can fix that first. And yeah, it's just, you're going to need it more. The further away you get, the more adaption is going to occur, the more often it's going to occur. Those refeeds aren't going to last you as long. And by last you as long, I mean, if you do a refeed on uh, over a weekend, perhaps, you might need another refeed by the end of the next week because you're already, you know, you're, you're back to where you were again, you adapted. So it just becomes, this becomes a matter of how long is the deficit? How far, how far away from baseline are they? Um, and then that's going to kind of determine it. And you know how it goes. I mean, once you get, you kind of have to throw the rules out the window too, when you get to that really lean state, it might just be a matter of, I mean, I'll have, like, I have a guy right, I have a guy right now. It has been crazy. It's been the most erratic, non, like, there's no pattern to it whatsoever. I just have him, I'll have him refeed. I'll have him do, like, multiple days, like, three days. I'll add food, and then he'll come back, and he gained a little bit of weight, and then I might do it again later, and he loses three pounds the next time. It's just, so we're literally just going, like, every single update, Every, every few days I'm changing something. Yeah. And, and it's because he's pretty lean, you know, early on, it was just early on. If you just create a deficit, you should probably lose fat. Yeah. I mean, that's, you should, if you don't, then there's something else going on. A pretty, um, a pretty notable difference in my experience as well. So other than, total body fat level so we've established the fatter you are probably the longer you can diet for um it appears to be fairly gender specific in my experience as well 
Um, I'm not sure if the literature agrees with this. I've never dug on it specifically. Um, but in my experience, I need to refeed my females a lot more often than my, my males. They, they do seem to metabolically adapt more readily. Have you noticed yeah. something similar? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they have... And females, you know, you start getting into... You, they're going to adapt hormonally quicker, too. Like, you'll get into... Once that cortisol starts going up and starts stealing progesterone, they start having disruptions in their menstrual cycle. They'll start having metabolic downregulation and just have... It just happens more often. But I think how you refeed them probably becomes different too i i would say in general i'm much more focused on triglyceride in a female than i would be in a male for example not only that but also i'm probably not it's probably not as aggressive Mm -hmm. um like the amount so for example i i might even lean towards just because the, the susceptibility to that fat regain during the refeeds might be a little bit more and we've worked so hard for them just to get the fat off in the first place that I might even lean a little bit more towards a slightly longer refeed with a little bit less food uh, just to kind of go close to maintenance or a little bit above. And then, and also I just generally find that, that the hunger signaling is a little more skewed in females too. So I got to be careful with, given them, I'll give you an example. So like, you know, like I, I, for me, for example, I'll go down, no carbs, maybe no fat, just like a, you know, protein sparing type diet, but I could refeed on, you know, five, six, 700 grams of carbs for multiple days in a row. There's just no way that that's ever going to happen in 99% of females. Mm. They would, <laughs> they're probably, they'd probably blow back up if you went that far above what their maintenance is. Yeah. So yeah, I, would, I, I definitely agree. I mean, I, we can just look at female physiology in general. Females adapt to everything quicker. Yeah. And, and I was just thinking, of course, something we haven't touched on here is, is the exogenous drug element, which which will often, you know, we come back just the role of hormones in general. Where a, a woman cycling normally, unfortunately, has to deal with that increase in progesterone in in that latter stage of the hormonal cycle anyway, which is already, you know, attenuating much of the positives of uh, hormonal profile that's maybe estrogen dominant in that sense. Um, that, that's going to drive up hunger and drive down positives in fat loss and nutrient partitioning and things like this. So maybe even how you time your refeeds, we could begin to think about around that hormonal cycle. And if somebody is using drugs that artificially manipulates resting energy expenditure or, or basal metabolic rate, your need to refeed is going to be greatly reduced. Right. Yeah. Because you're, I mean, part of the reason that they would introduce something like a exogenous thyroid would be to combat the downregulation of thyroids. So you're already, you're pretty much ruling that out, right? You're just, you're supporting that with an exogenous drug. Now, the only thing that, the thing that we're not supporting is leptin levels, right? So part of the reason we refeed is for, to increase leptin levels, which you're not really taking any kind of drug that 
it would be cool if we could take exogenous leptin. Could you imagine? Maybe we can. Maybe that's I don't even know if that's available. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, is that a is that a thing? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> you would think you would think that that would be a drug. I just wonder. It, I, I just wonder. I bet it is. It it's probably is. Drug for sure. I, I just wonder, like, what kind of what kind of uh, negative effect would it have? You know, because people would abuse it. So, like, what would happen? It makes me wonder what would actually happen. Just what would happen with any other, like, um, appetite suppressant now, like subutramine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would it would absolutely suppress your appetite big time, and it would maybe like. I don't even know. It would. I bet you it would be. It'd be interesting to to see. Maybe we should uh, see if they can source that in a research chemical. Mm. There's, um, th there's a couple of things I want to touch on here. So people are probably thinking, yeah, what about the thyroid? I can, I can just remember from literature that there's. I think even on very aggressive type diets in in literature, there's kind of starvation type studies. Um, I think it's about a month, maybe just less than a month before we start to see thyroid really doing anything. So, you know, in the short term, it's not really an issue. Um, I think something that's worth touching on that we haven't done is um, sympathetic nervous system output, sympathetic tone. So if you're like extreme dieting, sympathetic output will drop, which does produce metabolic rate, which is probably why people utilize stimulants in, in things like this. And, um, but I mentioned thyroid because sympathetic drive and the thyroidal axes are synergistic in nature. They potentiate each other's effects. Um, just the thought for people that are aggressively dieting as such, where you should yeah. probably have your sympathetic tone, your sympathetic output as, um, as something to consider. Yeah. Probably why people love using things like ephedrine and caffeine on these aggressive diets, you know? Yeah, if you think about, you know, neurotransmitter function is, is probably downregulated, especially when you get really far into it and you get like a, some amount of adrenal exhaustion, right, where it just can't, can't really keep up. And, and what else do we see in, in that situation? We see cardio adaption, right, where we're actually seeing lower, well, I won't always say that. Sometimes we'll see lower resting heart rate, it depends on the person, but if they're not a ridiculously overly stressed you're normally going to see lower resting heart rate as a person gets lighter and leaner and they're they're less or they're more efficient at all their activities so they're burning and that's even people that are equally neat right because mm -hmm. we talk about we talk about well if we equal neat levels throughout the prep or we manipulate neat levels well that's okay but the problem is your 10,000 steps is now burning a lot less than it was before. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, so everything's like, everything's becoming more efficient. So that, and that's kind of the sympathetic drive kind of goes into that whole resting heart rate because what do fat, what did a lot of um, stimulant based fat loss agents do? Well, they raise your resting heart rate. And that's part of the reason that, you know, you're burning more calories. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of adaption that goes on that I think people don't that kind of fail to realize, especially the whole uh, the whole cardio adaption. And I know you talked about using the weight vest before to continue to kind of uh, mm. 
um, to continue to eke, like basically equal out expenditure. And part of the reason that that works is because, you know, if, if you've lost 30 pounds and you put a 30 pound weight vest on, well, you're going to get, you're going to get more expenditure doing the same amount of uh, activity. So if you're considering that you're over time moving less weight through space for the same distance, you're actually performing X amount of less activity. Right. You know? right. right. Yeah, like that's it. Regressively underloading. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it's like it's, going to the gym and exactly lifting less and expecting the same outcome, you know? It's, uh, I always kind of give this example of, if you ever see the person at the gym that's really overweight and you see them on the, what you see them on the treadmill, <laughs> well, yeah, let's use a bodybuilder. I don't want to say yeah. overweight because we'll just, uh, that would maybe lend itself to someone that's has like high body fat. So let's even say, well, uh, um, bodybuilders are overweight. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's what I mean. So you take, well, I'll even just use myself. So I, cause I had this conversation with a client the other day that she was a, she is a former track athlete, so she, and she likes that type of cardio activity. And I tried to explain that part of the reason that she had to do so much cardio in prep is because she's so cardio efficient and that, you know, she's just simply not burning as many calories because she's not only adapted to that, but then she's also losing weight. So she's you know, burning less. So you put me on a treadmill and do the same distance as her she's going to burn, you know, one third of the calories that I do. Mm, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You put, you know, how, how many calories do you think Marcus rule burn walking on the treadmill for 10 minutes? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and we do come up against this. I'm sure you've got clients that ask it when, um, you know, I was, you know, I saw so-and-so only doing half an hour of cardio twice a week. And it's like, yeah, but they also weigh, you know, 300 pounds and, you know, actually just having that amount of mass. <laughs> it's, it's oxygen. I mean, if you're, if you're having to constantly supply uh, more tissue with oxygen and energy, then that's burning, that's burning calories, right? Well, you know, uh, JP, what's you that? Know, you know, JP, how big JP is. Oh yeah. yeah. yeah Christian, showed me. Christian signed up to his like, um, his website and when he was staying with us he showed me this thing where jp was dying he's like i've upped my steps to two thousand a day or something <laughs> which is like nothing <laughs> yeah he's like and he's like healed it's like yeah you know when because he's quite short but he's huge it's like that's probably quite a lot of energy expenditure that's probably like ten thousand of my steps you know um, yeah I think that's that's what i'm that's what i'm saying it, imagine upping your uh, steps to two thousand Upping my steps to 2000. Yeah, that's 2000 is pretty fucking sedentary, anyhow. I've, I've done over 10,000 today and I haven't even, you know, I've just walked the dog. You know, I don't know how yeah. you can do that in life. 2000? Yeah, I mean, I get over 2000. I was, I was oh, still no. getting over 2000 during really high calorie period where I was basically intentionally not moving, intentionally disabling yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was still getting over, still getting over 2000. Um, yeah, that's, that's low. And I can, I can even tell, you know, I, like I go in during the, uh, during the winter months and volunteer and coach with the wrestling team when I go out and actually wrestle with the guys and they're like, holy shit, you know, the amount that I just sweat 
and my body is like my 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 core temperature like my body just feels so warm and everything mm. like yeah because you guys like you guys do this every day and you and i have a hundred pounds on you yeah and it's like dude i'm burning so many calories doing this for an hour yeah so this is something to factor in here is like how much weight are you losing because if you're thinking to go through maybe a 100 pound fat loss phase you know if you're obese or you know you yeah i suppose if you're obese or even morbidly obese you've got a long way to go maybe doing it in one chunk isn't the best idea and implementing diet breaks that are more extended along the way may be better than trying to aggressively get it done in one because your level of metabolic adaptation could be huge right so at that point if we're talking about a general like a general fat loss client that's maybe not doing contest prep we also have to look at well what's going to happen after we're done mm -hmm. what's like what's what kind of long-term outcome are we looking at and that's where you i mean you could make an argument that refeeding refeeding would probably help along the way help kind of mitigate some of that and uh, maybe put you in a little better spot at the end of it i think i think that would make a pretty sound argument in that you if you took two people or you took one person and you they wanted to lose 25 pounds 20 pounds of actual fat tissue and one you you did refeeds with of some type and one that you didn't you're probably going to have less overall adaption at the end of it with the person that did the refeeds now how much i mean it's it's hard to say but I'm, i mean i'm sure there would be a little bit less at least yeah in fact you 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 started speaking about leptin now and i think that's a that's a a good thing for us to go into like how much do the adaptations that occur with dieting reverse when overfeeding? And if, if we look at leptin, so, so we know, right, it's hundred percent easier to, to gain weight in most individuals. Look, I'm not talking about muscle. It's easier to gain weight really than to lose it. Isn't it? So, yeah, I mean, gen generally, right. Because there's, there's going to be less adaptation moving upwards than there is downwards. And so what I was getting to with leptin is it, it's going to send a signal, which is sufficient, right? It's, it's going to send a, a 10 out of 10, you know, so raising leptin above any amount isn't really going to do anything, right? Do you get, do you get yeah. what I mean by that? So, so yeah, even right, increasing, sure. I'm pretty sure in some studies where leptin's increased like higher than the normal um, show why it's easier to, to gain weight than lose it essentially like only in massive doses if if we were to use this whatever it recombinant leptin or whatever it, it's not really going to do much so how hard do you have to overfeed you know what's necessary I think that was a good one you were going down there yeah and again it, it really just boils down to well how you know how down regulated are you um, and, and also there's a point too, where overfeeding too much, isn't going to have any more benefit because you're only going to increase leptin so much, mm. you know? So, um, I would, I would be interested in seeing, cause we do have some, 
we do have some case studies on like I, I know there were some on natural bodybuilders and stuff the the whole post contest period where they they showed all the parameters of recovery and and that now I don't know if they actually measured uh, recovery of leptin levels though in that literature and that would be I'd be interested in seeing like how you know how quick it actually comes back to baseline because we know that ghrelin levels for you know in terms of hunger they fluctuate very quickly leptin seems to be a little bit slower uh, we can get ghrelin levels to fluctuate within well i mean you, you know if you start a refeed uh you could you could be one meal into that higher carbohydrate environment and you're already hungrier um whereas you know one meal isn't altering your leptin levels that much if any so so yeah you make a good point i mean is there there's probably no additional benefit to leptin like after a certain uh you know like a certain threshold mm. and and you know and i think the biggest question coming up in, in people's mind here probably is not um you know when to refeed because it, it i mean other than oh, look, I really want to eat more, which again, we're coming down to the psychological. You have to weigh that up in your head. Is it actually worth it at that time? It's how much do I actually need and how can I get there? And, and as you touched on, I would potentially error people towards using a biomarker like I did recently with blood glucose, if possible, because it's very much guesswork at that point of where your maintenance is going to be, but also you have to factor in that you've been dieting for, you know, X amount of time. So intramuscular glycogen's gone down, intramuscular triglycerides gone down. And ultimately there's going to have to be some quote unquote refilling of these stores before you even start to, so to speak, interstitially spill and a duration of time. So I wouldn't do it like based on look, for example, because usually people are like, Oh, you know, they'll eat loads of, but I look great. And then do it again. Yeah, I look great. And then one day wake up, they're like, shit, <laughs> you know, I, I fucked it when it eventually catches up to you. Right. Because they're, they're just going to keep going until they yeah. spill it at that point And it's already too late <laughs> and it's too late. And then there's some big reversal needed to happen. So yeah, potentially yeah. Watching blood glucose and you know, if your nutrient partitioning is still pushing all of the glucose into into cells readily and you're not tipping maybe over that 5.5 mark you're you're probably all right you know but a little bit more a little bit more but you know it's not something that you want to rush i don't think well and and it's yeah well they're okay so a couple little small things there one is you make a good point should you use look to determine and i would say for the most part not all that much because my question would be do you need to, you know, completely fill out to be bursting at the seams to have an effective refeed? And the answer is probably no. Um, do you have to be completely 100% full for that refeed to be effective? And the answer is going to be no. Mm. Um, you're still going to have, you know, you're still going to have the benefits in terms of leptin levels, you know, thyroid or whatever else you're, you're looking at uh, without being without 100% refilling glycogen. Um, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah, because all that's going to happen at that point is 
the closer you get to 100% full or spilling, the more that you're going to have to do afterwards to start like losing fat again, essentially. Um, so I like the idea of blood glucose. And you also, the other small tidbit in there was that you said, take your time. So that's where if you use blood glucose as a marker for partitioning, that works. But if you're going too quickly, it's going to artificially show you high blood glucose just because you're eating too much too quickly and it can't yeah. get into the cell. Maybe just so, fasted reading. That might be. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. I mean, if you're doing, if you're doing a multi-day refeed, uh, postprandial gets, just gets tricky because mm -hmm. if you're doing a larger, like a larger amount of carbs and you're eating with any type of decent meal frequency over like three meals a day, then yeah, you're probably going to have, some overlap and and oftentimes i don't always necessarily do this but sometimes people will do like more meals on their refeed days or whatever to spread it out and if you're doing that you're obviously going to have overlap mm. so yeah fasting reading would be good to look at is it all partitioned you know by the next morning is everything partitioned in the cell or do you still have some circulating in your blood if so how much yeah, I mean, it's if you if you go into it with a reading of seventy five, do you have to have seventy five the next day? No, but if you have a hundred and twenty the next day, then you're probably you're done. Yeah, you know. So, right, yeah. It's just uh, I like to use blood glucose too, especially. I don't think you always have to use it, um, but especially when you're getting into deeper into the diet and you have larger, especially with people that you're you're messing with larger amounts of food. I like to use it because mm. just because it gets tricky at that point and there's no, there's no calculation. There's no online calculator that you can go punch into. It says, yeah, you need 500 grams of carbs. Like it doesn't work like that. No. And um, so I'll give you an example of mine actually on the last one. So the first day I woke up at 4.2 and mole. And then the next day, and it literally went like this. I was 4.2, 4.4, 4 4.6, 4.8. And then the next day I was 5.8 and that's where I ended it. So, and that's, that's not uncommon. And that's something that I see with clients pretty much across the board that we use this within a peak, for example, where we're trying to spill and then we dry off the other side is that it will slowly, slowly creep up, slowly creep up, and then bang, it will hit you. Oh, yeah. You've spilled, you know, there's no more cellular space. It's just going to be sitting around yeah. in that interstitial layer. Yeah, yeah. It's going to it's gonna hit quick. Like, it's, <laughs> that's, why, that's why you have to, uh, that's why you have to pay attention. And that's why sometimes I do like slower, I do like lower and slower just because if I'm not too sure, especially if it's someone that, is kind of erratic. Like that guy that I mentioned, um, I've been using multi, like multiple days with him just because it's been so unpredictable that I don't want to just say, Oh yeah. Okay. This didn't work. So let's do thousand carbs. And then, Oh shit. You only really needed 400. <laughs> you know? and, he, and he spills like fucking crazy. And then we got to get it back off. So I'm just, I'll use a little bit less and just do multiple days at a time. And I'm like, okay, yep, you're there. 
you're good. It's easier to, it's just easier to see at that point. Now, if you've, if you've been refeeding with somebody um, and you've done it multiple times and you know them pretty well, yeah, I mean, you could get, you could potentially get more aggressive. It's just the more aggressive you get, uh, the more chance you have of spilling and the, and that all that means is you just have more work to do after. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just more dying. Yeah. Um, it's the other question I always get, and this is going to be just really hard to answer, but it's worth mentioning would be, well, where do I start in terms of how much, like, mm. what, how, how do I know, how would I even go about knowing how much mm. to add in? And I kind of hinted at it a little bit before in that one of the main goals is we need to come over, we need to come out of a deficit. So look, let's look at, well, how much fat are you losing or how much, Yes. it's hard to tell how much fat, but how much weight, what is, we'll call it weight, assuming it's not just water and glycogen. So how much are you losing on a regular basis? Well, if your weight loss has slowed down to maybe you've lost a half a pound that week on average, yeah. then your deficit's like your deficit's pretty small. It's about 250 calories, right? Right. It's, it's, it's small. So do you need to add in a thousand calories or 2000 calories or something like that to, to get an effect? Mm, probably not. Especially if you haven't done it before, you might want to go, you know, you might want to just go, 500 calories, 400 calories, just go a few hundred over maintenance and mm -hmm. see what kind of effects you get. And then you'll, you'll know from there if you need more or not. But I would, I would just caution people to not, to just go slightly over maintenance, at least initially to get a feel for it. I've just done a PubMed search for um, recombinant leptin and it, it does exist. <laughs> Do they have, what kind of studies they have on it? Um, there's something here about catecholamines, leptin. I wonder if there's, well, it would be interesting to see if it, it could be used in a medical yeah. setting for so, Yeah, look, recombinant leptin for weight loss in obese and lean adults. Okay. Well, what was the outcome? Um, results, weight loss from baseline increase with increasing dose of leptin among all subjects at four weeks and among obese subjects at 24 weeks of treatment. The dose response right, so relationship with weight and fat loss was observed with subcutaneous recombinant leptin. Well, I do know that recombinant GLP-1 is used and I had one client use it. Yeah. With great yeah, I've, heard of, I've definitely heard of that before. So this is no different, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. And even just, it would help with fat loss, but also from an adherence standpoint it would almost serve as like such a it would basically just completely um, manipulate that the hunger response mm. so you would almost feel i just wonder how you would feel if you took it you, you know what i'm saying like would you feel would it kind of negate the whole being really hungry and moody type of response that you get from being in a deficit yeah like for me now I'm I'm not physically hungry at all on these on a protein spare modifying diet, but what I am is tired and useless in many ways. You know, um, I um like 
or if I think about food, I have a physiological drive to eat, but it's not like a psychological hunger, you know? So I, right. I wonder if, if, if leptin was sufficient, if it'd be like, yeah, I'm not even, not even bothered, you know? <laughs> right. I wonder if you, you'd have, you'd have people fucking starved to death using it. Ideal they, drug for bodybuilding. You take enough anabolics to offset any muscle protein breakdown and then you take enough, enough, leptin, enough leptin to never eat. And essentially you just get shredded in like two weeks. You do a whole contest prep in two weeks. You just eat nothing. Could you, you imagine, and then you stack that with like just a low dose of amphetamine. Yeah. So you can still and, actually do something. Yeah. Well, do you know what? Yeah. People fast until their body fats. I was listening to a podcast with a guy that was on this program called alone. I don't know if you've ever watched it. Um, uh-uh. Did he do like some super long fast? Well, no, he was essentially out in the wild and sometimes he'd go days without eating before he could find and hunt and kill something. And, but then, right. you know, they were getting on this topic of fasting and there are people that have, you know, fasted in therapeutic conditions for over a year because if you have body right. fat, you I've have energy that, yep. to mobilize, you know? Right. Yep. But yep. We, in our cohort, it would just be like, you know, can you offset the, the proteolysis and, and with enough anabolics and it's, I bet it's less than, than you think. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even on a protein spray and modifying fast, I think something like a 400 milligram or 500 milligram total androgen load is enough to offset any muscle protein breakdown, even if you didn't train. And I'll stand by that. If you didn't resistance train at all and you took maybe 400, 500 milligrams total androgens per week, the effect on glucocorticoid receptor sites, the effect on muscle protein synthesis, the effect on muscle protein breakdown would be enough that you could probably aggressively diet as hard as you like, not lose any muscle tissue. You'd be flat. Yeah, the only bit. <laughs> well, right. That's, that's what I was going to say. The only thing people would mistake muscle loss for lack of partitioning into right. the muscle. Because the other training. side, on the refeed, like we spoke about, you'd probably be like, you look oh, crazy. <laughs> you look fucking crazy, wouldn't you? <laughs> it's not so dissimilar from what I've done now because I'm very much training with a a maintenance volume although my androgens aren't you know particularly noteworthy but i i bet if i if i took more androgens i could just not train you know or or even if you yeah even if you just did well and we know we know from literature on training and muscle loss too that the amount of training and we talked about this too before it's like the amount of training that it takes to retain tissue versus build it is a lot different it doesn't take no, it's that um, much. three sets per body part per week in natural individuals. Yeah. So, I mean, if you, if you even took that volume, so let's say you took that volume and you had, um, well, that's what I'm doing right now. Right. Yeah. You, you took that volume, you had sufficient androgen levels, and then you took some exogenous leptin and you could probably get peeled like pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> sure. It's, it's not actually far away from what I'm doing now. Apart from I'm not taking the leptin. <laughs> but that's the kicker right there. You got to have the leptin or it won't work the same. Or it doesn't, yeah, it's not the same. True. Because Maybe otherwise. Some, like subutramine or something. Because otherwise everyone would just, everyone would just starve. And, and dude, I would do that. I would, if I had the choice between a longer, slower prep, or I could just absolutely starve for six to eight weeks and, I would just do that in a heartbeat. Mm. No, that wouldn't even be, I wouldn't even question that. I would immediately go that route. If that were, <laughs> if that were an option. <laughs>
but unfortunately i still starve <laughs> for eight weeks even though it is longer oh yeah, yeah. damn it oh well but uh yeah that's interesting i i would assume like i guess that i'd assume they probably had had used it but i think you too if you looked across the board at like if you took people's if you took a bunch of people that were at maintenance calories and you took their serum leptin levels they're genetically people are probably different all over the place yeah you know i mean that's just a component of a fat loss that's just like with clients you know you get you get different people that have all kinds of different hunger response that even when they're in like the same type of uh situation you get some people that just never get hungry other people they're always hungry mm. I mean, it's just, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, like, even comparing me and Jazz, like, I am on a much larger deficit from Jazz, but because, you know, she's female with normal hormonal function, um, her hunger's, like, real bad, but I'm like, I'm fine, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's me too. I, I mean, I can, I can eat, I could eat dirt, like, nothing for quite a long time and I could I could adhere to it you know what I mean like my adherence wouldn't be really a huge issue it would just be yeah it would suck it's like it's not that enjoyable and variety and food is kind of low but um I would just feel like shit that's all I would just yeah. feel terrible yeah it's yeah I mean it it wouldn't be a matter of could I do it from an adherence standpoint yeah it's it's, and I always say that about contest prep too. A lot of people will talk about how the low food bothers them and stuff. It's like, dude, I could eat, I could do that. It's the fact that I feel horrendous. That's the part that I don't like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's kind of where I've got to now, like two weeks of protein spare modifying fats. That's when it starts getting a bit like, oh man. Yeah. And it's not, and it's not even, and, and get to a point too where, I see this and, you know, I'll see it in clients and stuff and they'll refeed and they are, Oh, my, my training session is so good now. I'm like, dude, if I get that depleted and I refeed, nothing happens in the gym. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nothing. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. I might get a little bit, I might get a little bit more pump. Okay. Right. Because I have more glycogen, but in terms of like actually being sh stronger, if any Not noteworthy it. amount, fuck no. Takes weeks. No, <laughs> dude, I don't notice anything. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> it's like it, you know, people that go out and they'll have a, and it could be, it could be somewhat psychological. I don't know. Yeah, I know what you're gonna say. The free meal next day, like, Poor, I'm so pumped. It's like I'm like, dude, fuck, I don't get any fucking stronger. No, nothing. Me neither. <laughs> maybe we're just weak. Yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe I'm just. I don't know. I'm just weak and pathetic anyhow. Oh well. <laughs> oh, how's the uh how's the garden, Jim? Yeah, man. It's good. I'm literally sat looking at it now. You know, it's serving the purpose and it's providing me the maintenance volume. We've got no idea when the gyms are gonna open here. Mm -hmm. We're just over a month out at this point. Um but you know I it's got everything that I need, like until I can row like five plates each side and <laughs> <laughs> bench five yeah. side. Like I'm not gonna outgrow my garden gym. The the only thing is it 
it's sunny now, but we had the first sort of rainy day in a long time today, like this morning, right. raining a lot. Right. We haven't had that for a long time. I'm glad I wasn't training today because that would have um, completely thrown it unless I wanted to do some like hardcore rain training. But um, <laughs> Dude, it's been, it has been, because you guys normally have a lot of rain there. Normally, yes. you, guys, you guys are pretty rainy compared to us here, but we have gotten so much rain like it's just been raining and raining and raining and it was funny because i i uh i have a client that works as a meteorologist believe it or not it, it was such a random such a random job but he told me that what's happening is it's from it's from all those people being quarantined and it, it basically had changed like carbon emissions and all this shit in the air and it's causing this like huge shift in weather and I was like, oh, man, that's, that's interesting. So I, I assume that it'll kind of go back to normal as people are doing, you know, driving their vehicles and stuff more or whatever. Yeah. But Yeah, I heard that on a podcast that, like, there's loads of places where smog's finally, like, cleared up. Yeah, that and, and wildlife acting differently. Like, some of these beaches and stuff where, where they're normally very touristy, there's, like, you know, sea turtles all over the beach and shit now, <laughs> and uh, which is cool. Like that's that's great. It's cool to see. Um, it, like I said, though, it's just been it's just been pouring down rain here. Like just every every other day, like inches of rain. Really? Yeah. So today's nice. But today, what's that? We only had kind of like a quick spat today, but we've needed it. Yeah. Like we were actually walking through the park earlier and Jazz commented on like how dry all the grass is, like all the grass is dead in the park. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's not here. It's fucking wet. It is so wet. It's uh the next couple of days are supposed to be are supposed to be good, but it's gonna take us two days or so just to dry up because it's just so it's so damn wet. But uh I don't really care. It doesn't really bother me that much. I just like some sun. Sun does put you in a better mood. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't like I don't like when I can't get up in the morning and open my uh open my my blinds and get some sun. That's how you set up the perfect circadian rhythm, man. Yeah, that's it, man. It's the key. This is me off. I got the sun lamp, it's just not the same. You know. It's not quite the same. I don't have one of those lamps. I do. I got one on Amazon. They're, they're pretty inexpensive. It's uh, I left it yesterday. It was raining all day, and I left that damn thing on. I left it on on my desk for, I don't know, like five hours. I just left it on. You know, so. I should get one. Do you know what? I sit next to the open window all day, to be fair, so I must get. I do have that app on my yeah. phone, D-Finder. Have you ever used that? What's it called? D-Finder. Uh-uh, I don't think so. It shows the amount of vitamin D that you're currently getting. Oh. From the from the D sun. Finder, yeah. yeah. D, D Finder sounds like a sex app. I know, I was gonna say it sounds like some kind of like yeah. <laughs> finding the D app, yeah, finding D's. Jesus. <laughs> finding that vitamin D. Um, yeah. yeah, it's pretty damn good, man, because I've used it. I've used it with a couple of clients when we've just been looking at like vitamin D status and stuff, although a million times easier just to supplement with 5,000 units and be done. Um, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, there's some cool apps too. There's another app that I saw that showed like uh, the amount of blue light in the room. Um, oh, really? 
Yeah, I think it was an app, or it might have, I don't know if it was an app or it was like an actual tool you had to buy. It was uh, Carl Lenore was using it, which I doesn't surprise me. Yeah, <laughs> this sounds a little bit complicated. Dude, Carl, you know what though? Carl has some cool stuff Dude, on Carl's his show. Dude, Carl's gonna 300. He might, he might, he has some cool stuff. Like I even, I catch, uh, I catch some stuff on there every once in a while. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Or something that, something Still that I made. Superhuman Radio. Yeah, Superhuman Radio. That's his show, yeah. Does he still have a fucking million adverts, though? Because that used to drive me mad. Does he? I don't know. I honestly, I don't listen to the show that often unless there's something that uh, catches my eye. Because he'll have something on there every once in a while that I've maybe seen or read, but I thought was kind of scammy. But the, but then he'll have like a an expert on there that talks about it. I'm like, okay, you know, I'll listen to expert. He's, he's really big into peptides and stuff. Yeah. Um, he has... It's funny if you watch some of his videos. He has the videos of him. He'll make like uh, he does nasal peptides, like for nasal delivery. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, he does them all the time. He he was <laughs> the funny one. He was talking about um, oh fuck, what was it? I think it was I, I think it was oxytocin. Right. Um, he was doing nasal oxytocin before sex and having like these crazy orgasms and shit <laughs> with him and his wife for using or some shit like that. Right. He's crazy. He is. I wouldn't be surprised if he just lives forever, though. He's just yeah. He's bio. He's a nice yeah. He's a nice guy too. I met him at um. I met him at the Arnold two years ago when Scott McNally did that uh like that bodybuilding nerds live podcast or whatever. He loves to talk, but he's a he's a nice guy. Mm, mm. Yeah, he does. Remember when we had him on the podcast? I don't think either of us said it. Yeah, him and uh put him and Lyle on here and they'll just they'll argue talk. among themselves. <laughs> What's Lyle doing? I don't, I don't really, I don't I follow him. I spoke to Lyle the other day. I don't know if he's actually actively doing anything. I do know that he actually listens to this podcast though. So, hey, Lyle. Um, oh, there you go. Did you know that? No, I didn't. That's cool though. That's yeah, awesome. He, yeah, he's an active listener. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. That's cool. That's a noteworthy listener, I would say. We'll have to get him back on to, to cover something. Yeah, something else, something he's... If he's quiet, that means he's, he's probably researching something Since we else. spoke about reefies, maybe we should have him on to talk about like aggressive fat loss. Yeah, yeah, because he's kind of the pioneer of the protein-sparing modified fast and cyclical dieting and keto. He even has, and I know he has like a keto ebook and shit too, I'm pretty mm. sure. Mm. Yeah. He has everything. So that's, yeah, we could have, we could have him on. Um, I think, I think the round table was pretty well received. It seemed yeah, like yeah, people loved it. People loved it. And we didn't even talk that much on that one. No. Yeah. See, easy work. <laughs> Sit back and let him go. I thought yeah. it was really good. It was really good. Yeah. We just talked about bullshit on that. Yeah. We'll have to do, so we'll have to do like a periodic round table, but maybe try to have, Maybe try to get some different guests on periodically. Yeah, different just guests each time would be good. I'll do the vote again, I think, because people liked it. But um, don't vote for me or Joe, dumbasses. Why would you do that? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't get any votes. You, you got like three. I don't. Why the fuck anyone? Why the fuck they voted for me? I have no idea. Could you imagine if they voted for you on your own story? 
Yeah. <laughs> well, it would at least mean people want to see me. <laughs> oh, shit. That's funny. Yeah. Well, I think that's it for refeeding and bullshitting. So I actually have to go. I'm actually going to go give blood. I don't even give hardly give blood anymore. I'm going to go and eat a tuna salad. Tuna salad. That sounds good. What do you have? Like, what do you have in it? Um, it's like a mixed Italian salad. And then I'll chop an onion up, put that in there. A couple of cans of tuna, some calorie-free mayo, a bit of salt, a bit of garlic. Mm-hmm. Big, big volume meal, you know? So if you add, if you ever add some fat back into the diet, look for Primal Kitchen brand. Okay. I don't know if you guys will have it. You can look, look it up. Primal Kitchen brand makes avocado oil-based mayo, and their flavors are amazing. Okay. I'm going to give that a Google. It's I'll probably like, Google it now because I might, I've had to like yeah. not look at food. <laughs> You know, when you get it's to like, that, uh, it triggers me. Yeah, like the the ingredients are literally, I'm looking at it right now. It's, the ingredients are avocado oil, organic eggs, organic egg yolks, um, vinegar, sea salt, lime juice, chipotle powder, lime granules, garlic powder, rosemary extract. That sounds good. It is. This is chipotle lime mayo. Mm. Mm-hmm. You talk, my, my you want to talk about watering. <laughs> Like I, no joke, like on my days where I'll do lower carbs and add some fats in, I'll I'll put that in tuna, like tuna salad. I'll just do like a big pack of tuna and mix it in there. It's fantastic and mix like, and you can I, I can put like a vegetable in with it, or I can have some fruit on the side or something. But it's awesome. All over that, yeah. I'll have to check that out, man. Cool. Well, that's it for today. Yeah, um, good shit. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope that is useful on the subject of refeeds. If you do have a topic you'd like me and Austin to cover um, for these episodes that we don't have guests, please let us know. And um, please do check out the sponsors below, as always, and keep supporting the guys that help keep this show running. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next week.